0: This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where every week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we discuss what's going on in our business. Plus, we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week, we'll be talking to Leanne Young. Adult Site Broker is proud to announce ASB Cash the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage. With ASB Cash, you'll have the chance to earn as much as 20% of our broker commission, referring sellers and buyers to us at Adult Site Broker. Check our website at ASBCash.com for more details. First of all today, let's cover what's going on in our industry. Pineapple Support has a new support group, Bouncing Back from Burnout, a six-week course starting next Thursday, April 22nd at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. What happens when the stress of our jobs, our relationships, and our daily responsibilities begin to take their toll on us? How do we bounce back from a seemingly endless cycle of should-be and to-do in order to feel more invigorated and engaged with our lives? Burnout happens to everyone, but it doesn't have to be your final destination. In this burnout group, they will explore different ways burnout can show up in our personal and work lives, gain support around the unique stressors of being in the sex work industry, and build skills to manage burnout more effectively. This group welcomes you to bring your overwhelm, your exhaustion, your stress, and your whole self without judgment. Feeling at your wit's end? so are we. The Free Speech Coalition has released a statement about their past guidance recommending that performers who have been vaccinated for COVID-19 should still test for the virus. FSC also said this requirement could change. This is the FSC statement. PASS has published a vaccination resource portal that addresses questions over testing, details new studies regarding transmission, and asks performers to provide feedback via a short anonymous survey. We know everyone wants to return to pre-pandemic shooting as quickly as possible, said Ian O'Brien, Executive Director of PASS. Our industry has done an exemplary job at preventing COVID onset, and we certainly realize the financial and scheduling burden of two-day COVID testing. We ask that vaccinated performers continue to test for the time being as we work to evaluate risk with an increasingly vaccinated performer pool. While the risk of serious illness decreases substantially after a vaccination, the data regarding the potential for a person to carry and transmit the virus after vaccination is still unclear. PASS is also looking at the threat of newly emerging variants and working to understand actual risk on set. We need to hear from performers and crew, says O'Brien. Right now, we don't yet know how much of the industry is vaccinated or planning on getting vaccinated, nor do we know how performers and crew feel about working with unvaccinated people or without a COVID test. The science is important but our policies also need to reflect the needs of the industry. Now let's feature our Property of the Week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We are proud to offer one of the longest-running adult review sites. The site is a true pioneer in the review space. It's built a reputation for its quality of reviews. With over 28,000 full and original reviews, it's a leader in this space. The site has a wide range of columns and photo galleries. The site is powered by a custom-designed CMS, which enables a staff of reviewers to request titles for review, have them emailed and tracked, and then submitted as a review to the database. The flow is pretty seamless and has been rocking and rolling for many years. The team at this site is filled with adult entertainment enthusiasts. All of the site's marketing is organic which is a tremendous opportunity for a buyer with a traffic network or who wants to purchase traffic. All this for only $299,000. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is Leanne Young of House of Ardent and the Ardent Podcast. Leanne, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk.
1: Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: It's great to have you. Now, Leanne is one of the UK's leading advisors on adult entertainment, sex, and relationships. She started her mainstream career in 2002, appearing on shows such as The Jeremy Kyle Show, The Trisha Goddard Show, How to Have Sex After Marriage, and several other mainstream productions as a sex and relationships advisor and porn industry expert. She's also known for covering events such as AVN, Xbiz, the Prowler Awards, and other adult events around a variety of lifestyles in the adult industry. Leanne has a caring, positive attitude and a desire to help as many people as possible understand different relationships and life choices. Leanne always maintains the highest level of commitment to her work and to her clients. Now, Leanne, at what age did you decide to enter the adult industry and why did you do it?
1: Oh, I think it was 1999. And I got into it because I was a single mum of two children. And to be honest with you, my relationships beforehand were, you know, very male dominated. And Mm -hmm. to be honest with you, the sex wasn't great. Mm -hmm. And I suddenly met this um, great crowd and I got to sexually know myself and realized I was pretty good at sex and rather enjoyed it. And I just got given the opportunity by someone um to i got introduced to the stage newspaper where i could write off to somebody and i managed to write off to an agent and before i knew it i was on a porn set and i think the main reason was being as a single parent of two children living in a council estate i wanted a better life for me and my children
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and i didn't have the ability to go to work nine to five five days a week Mm -hmm. and i wanted to do a job that i could thoroughly enjoy and having sex was very high up (laughs) on my likes
0: yeah, I've always enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you tell me somebody who hasn't.
0: <laughs> there are a few out there, strangely enough, but there's all kinds in this world, isn't there? Absolutely. Um, so who was your first agent? How did you meet them? And were they what you expected?
1: My first agent was JFT Models, which was managed by Jason Maskell. and Jason, do you know Yes. What? Yeah, lovely Jason. He's yep. fantastic. Yes, he is. And you've got to think that that's 20 years ago, mm. you know? And I remember writing off and he was like rang me and he was great. And the week later I'm up on the train going up to Welling Garden City to meet him. Now I don't know what I imagined, but I imagined like an agent probably being suited and booted and having these massive offices, you know, what you see on the movies, you know, the <laughs> you know, the fairy world. And uh, it was really different because it was just totally different to what I expected. But he wasn't creepy. You know, many people assume that you're kind of poured into the porn industry. They come and kidnap you from your house or something. (laughs) And um, (laughs) well, it's true, that's what people think. And he was actually a real gentleman absolute Mm. gentleman and i stayed at his house the night before he didn't try it on with me or anything that people would imagine Mm -hmm. and he made sure that i knew exactly what i was doing what was involved that everything was above board Mm. and to be honest with you he's probably one of the best managers i've ever ever met
0: now now tell me some good memories about the business some crazy memories and some bad memories
1: okay he's had a great Um, memories I mean my first ever shoot via Jason actually was for private and I kind of had never ever performed in my life you know I was a little bit nervous but I was made to feel so much comfortable and it was in this big mansion house and there was there was it was just so comfortable Mm. and being naive enough I didn't know what half the moves were so it was really really humorous because you know, they're telling me to do stuff and I have to stop the camera going, what is this? What's that mean? What does this mean? <laughs> and, and it was it's a different language in the porn world. Yeah, And that's what was really good. And other great parts were, you know, I got chosen as the only ever European to represent the whole of Europe in Hollywood mm. in Drew Barrymore's old house, actually,
2: Jesus.
1: for an event called Sex Survivor 2000. It's now available on Playboy. And, you know, I got picked out of the whole porn industry around the world. I was labeled the Porn Queen of England. Mm. And I came second because, come on, you're American, you know, British can't come first. I mean, you guys invented the television. We're not allowed to be the winners on television mm. Mm. <laughs> on an American production. Hollywood was fantastic to me. The Americans really were amazing. And I, I suppose the bad parts of the industry, you know, and every industry does have. A negative part. Sure. You know, there were some people that kind of, you know, in your personal life would approach you and do things to you that weren't appropriate. Mm-hmm. And so I think I don't really have a bad memory of, you know, of actually doing a shoot. Mm-hmm. Apart from in in the UK on a few times you are sent to um to do a shoot and you are under the impression it's just a straight boy girl shoot and you get there. And they say no, it's anal, mm-hmm. and you're like, well, I don't do anal. And they say, well, if you don't do it, you're going to have to pay for the production cost because it means that we've we're out of pocket. Yeah, right. So you know, so I that that's a very big negative side to it. And you know, I don't like I said, I don't think I have any bad memories of mm-hmm. actually performing. I think the bad memories come from people trying to take advantage of me being a performer.
0: Yeah, yeah. What about uh, what about some crazy memories?
1: Oh, my God. You know what? I mean, I don't even know whether they were legal.
0: <laughs> oh, go for it.
1: Well, okay. So, for instance, I'm at the AVN in Las Vegas. And mm-hmm. it's like a, you know, it goes over a few days. Yes. And I, I, had, I you know, I'm in Las Vegas. I wanted to get a little bit drunk, right? Yeah. So, I went to the Playboy party
2: hmm.
1: in this nightclub. Yeah. Well, I'd got a little bit drunk, and I was a little bit wild. Don't get me wrong. I was even introduced to Larry Flint as the naughtiest girl ever out of the UK. Mm. So I'm in this nightclub and chatting to these strangers from Florida and big party around, champagnes flowing. But my feet were hurting from, you know, signing my autograph every day. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I kind of uh, needed to take my shoes off in a nightclub. So... (laughs) So the bankster came over to me and he said, look, madam, you can take anything off but your shoes, health and safety. Oh, shit. So he went away. I know. So he comes back about 20 minutes later when I'm surrounded by a whole group and I'm absolutely titty naked. Yes. Everything apart from my high heel shoes.
0: <laughs> Perfect. I saw it. But- I, could, <laughs> I could see where this was going, by the way. <laughs>
1: But that's how crazy I was, and he had to put me over his shoulder, and I'm completely naked with just high heels on, and another bouncer's like, "Don't forget her clothes." And then I just get put outside, and I'm in, and you know, you can't even go show your nipples in Las Vegas, and I'm stood outside this club with somebody covering my nipples while I quickly try and get dressed. So <sighs> I did have fun. I had such amazing fun, and like doing the Sex Survivor 2000. You know, that's um, that's an adult version of Big Brother. Mm. And that was nuts because halfway through the production, you know, somebody broke the rules. So mm. the shoot got put on halt. Mm. And we had to make a team arrangement that, you know, yes, we're finished the rest of filming, even though it had been the contract had been breached, not by myself. How was it so breached? We did actual- yeah, well, one of the contestants shagged the director. We did what? Shagged the director off camera to try and win the show oh, um, shit. <laughs> what they what they didn't realize you, said shagged.
0: Was- I th- you said shagged you said shagged i thought you i thought you i thought you uh i thought you said shot i uh oh, i should have i yes, should have i should have i should have realized you come from the same country as austin powers and i gotta listen for that that language so go ahead <laughs> oh, yeah. the cheeky
1: lady decided to have a shag with the director And, um, of course, this went out live live over the internet because there were cameras everywhere, Mm -hmm. being big brother. And so it was actually illegal. So the shoot got shut down. She got evicted. Her husband started um, protesting on top of the house. (laughs) Um, And then we were on ABC, you know, and I was introduced as Lennox Lewis of the porn world, (laughs) you know, and it just went mad. We were filming day and night, Blind Man's Buff, (laughs) <laughs> um, oh, my God. You know, it. I, I can't think of all the names of the games, but we were constantly shagging. And <laughs> I could not wait for the week to be over because I swear in my life, I think i have done about 30 different scenes in a week. Cheers. So, yeah, we had, you know, we just had crazy times. it's. it's so, I mean, I've been to the Playboy Mansion. Mm-hmm. I've traveled all over the world mm-hmm. in the adult industry. And and I've got to uh, admit, I don't have any regrets about my career. Yeah. Good, bad, and ugly. Love them all.
0: So of all those experiences, what was the most exciting for you?
1: Oh, God, I've done so
0: many shoots. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I'll tell you what it was, and the most exciting, actually, and the most memorable, really. Because I don't know if you know the um, male performer, Mark Davis?
2: No,
0: of, Yes.
1: Yeah, he was an absolute legend. Well, we were about to do the first ever, first internet live streaming. And it was um, for Cousin Stevie and Seymour Butt. And uh, there was there was me, Herschel Savage, Mark Davis, um, Bridget Kirkhoff, oh, and a few others. So, you know, it's the first one ever going out live streaming.
2: Mm.
1: So... We are on the set and I'm like "You're really eager British girl. You know, I'm <laughs> just, I'm cheeky. I needed the guys to make me have an orgasm before actually working. Otherwise I probably would have gone crazy.
2: <laughs>
1: so I'm doing this first ever shoot. And to work, you know, if you haven't worked with Seymour and Cousin Stevie, they are the most beautiful people that were producers and directors. Mm. And so I'm, swapping partners as you do and then i'm going up and down on mark davis right so imagine this scene you know people are in pairs i'm on mark and i'm thrusting like anything like concord right (laughs) anyway i misplaced myself when i came down oops the next yeah the next thing we hear was pop and i'd broken mark davis's cock the king of the industry (laughs) time
2: (laughs) ouch
1: yes that um went out live over the internet and became quite a sensation
2: oh my god
1: but there is so many i can think of you know from signing your autograph in Vegas to a couple of thousand people a day to partying with the world's finest adult stars to oh just to everything you know mm. it was it, it there, there's so many from from memories but those, those feel free great.
0: feel free to share them we got lots of time
1: Ah, uh, it's it's just like you know it's it, what what else what else
0: what else stands out?
1: What else stands out? Okay, so I've done my first ever anal scene. Um broadcast for a mainstream channel filming a whole documentary on me. I didn't even mean to do it, you know, it jeez. was just it just happened. right? and of course they put that out on television. Oh jeez. Mainstream. Yeah, to 8 million viewers in the UK.
2: Mm. So that
1: that kind of you know, I kind of got noticed on that. I've been on the Jerry Springer show. Because I've done porn.
2: Really? Um, yeah. And I got, I
1: got my tits out to him on British television. It went down exceptionally well, of course, being uh, how wonderfully open we are not in the UK. Yes. Um, oh, and I've been to Cannes Film Festival. Um, I've interviewed on a red carpet at Cannes for the Adult Channel. Mm-hmm. Um, I've stayed at the most phenomenal hotels around the world. Mm. And shot different scenes, and I was just very lucky that I got taken to the U.S. and they were absolutely wonderful to me because I know that not everybody can manage the the American industry. Yes. I did. I I kind of call the English industry a very cottage-like industry mm. because it's quite, and you kind of know everybody, and you're just you're you're doing things with the same people over and over. Mm. And you've got to remember when I was in the industry, it's when DVDs were still going out, the internet, yeah. internet. We're still in his infamacy, so mm-hmm. I was having sex with the same people time and time
0: again. Mm-hmm.
1: So N- going to America was massive.
0: So now, how did you manage to get there, and are the rumors true about America being much harder than the U.K. to work in?
1: I was at the Cannes Film Festival when I met an agent called Mark Spiegler, and he's still an agent today. I got on really well with Mark, and he's like, you need to come to America. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'm I'm up for it. I went back to the UK and I said to my British agent and it wasn't Jason at the time, it was another agent. And I said, I want to go to the U S and they said, yeah, we can send you over there. And I said, well, I'm actually going with Mark Spiedler, (laughs) which didn't, didn't go down too well with
0: my British Uh, agent. I can imagine.
1: Oh, well, they actually, um, threatened me with the Russian mafia. Oops. So yeah. So you can imagine it was a little bit of a crazy time for me. Mm. Um, And then, um, yeah, so I emailed Mark some pictures and I got over to the US. And my first ever shot was with Ed Powers Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: on his radio show. And he's got a wiener. So that was remarkably easy.
2: Mm.
1: (laughs) And then, to be honest with you, do I think the US was harder? No, I think it was way more professional. Yeah. And I think some people would find that harder. Whereas I'm kind of found it easier i don't think the guys are any bigger Mm. i don't think the work's any harder in fact Mm. it's got you're in a studio with full-on direction Mm. and there were boundaries and i really i don't think it was bigger i don't think it Mm. was harder in the u.s in fact um i barely worked in the uk industry again after that because Mm. i actually like the way the americans work i worked five days a week i made sure that i had two days off a week and I, I kind of found the shoots shorter
2: mm.
1: and I think they were far more glamorous. You know, you've got hair and makeup, you've got catering on set.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Nobody was drinking or taking drugs. That was fully, uh, pro- uh for, um, forbidden on set.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And no, I, the hours could be longer. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I remember being on a short uh, Michaels Michael shoot one time, and I was there for 18 hours. Yeah, and About nine of them was waiting around. Mm. So God knows why I was called so early. Mm. Um, and then it was stop, start, change set, had to change lighting. Oh, mm-hmm. 18 hours later yeah. I got off.
0: That's insane. But
1: it was insane. I mean, and I think people don't understand it. They get these 20-minute segments on their DVD or TV or whatever. And normally, within that 20 minutes, you've got five different positions. Yeah. Um, but to make that can take us all day. Oh, yeah. But people kind of You seem to think it's an easy job for good money. And they don't actually understand the preparation that goes into it, the hard work that goes mm-hmm. into it, um, and the self-investments. Because you've got to be in good shape. You've got to be healthy. Sure. Um, because if there's one thing that doesn't work. Is if you are into drugs and drink, especially in my day, Mm. if you turn up to set with a hangover, they're not interested. If Mm -hmm. you turn up on set and you're not with it and you're not 100% on
2: form,
1: you won't get used again. Your reputation is everything. And I, I think people just have this whole belief about the industry being full of drugs and drink. And Offset, maybe. I don't know what the other adult stars done in their private lives. But for me, I was very, very into my work and about looking after myself.
0: Yeah. I think that, well, first of all, when it comes to uh, thinking a 20-minute scene takes 20 minutes, it's like a feature film, you know, and it's it's an hour and a half or two hours. That takes months to do.
1: I know people don't get
0: that. I mean, mm-hmm. we'd go away for five days
1: to or to film some scenes that people might only see for fifteen minutes. Yep. And yeah, and people don't understand that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's so much like that today. Not many big feature films are done these days. But in in my day, it it was hard work.
0: Sure, sure. Now. What is your how do you feel about the the public having that image of uh, of adult actors being, you know, druggies, alcoholics and all of the above?
1: Well, it's very naive. And I think that mm-hmm. what's happened is governments and media is um, censored them yep. to reality. And people need to realise that they need to realise that they're watching the news, they're reading newspapers, they're reading other people's thoughts on it, and taking it as fact. When in fact, it's not fact. Yeah, that's that's just what censorship is about. Censorship is about controlling people, getting them to believe that something's good or bad. I mean, there's mm-hmm. never an in between. Sure, the government and the government and the media is either good or bad. It, and you know people have. People have begin, kind of been brainwashed with the fact
2: that, hmm.
1: you know, and I'm going to touch this subject. <laughs> um, ever since um the word came out, in child pornography. Oh, yeah. It's kind of everybody says the word pornography, yeah. so they think that the porn industry is related to child pornography. When it's actually couldn't be further from the truth.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Now I work. I work beside the Met Police as an mm-hmm. outreacher. I'm a ca- I'm a counsellor for the industry, mm-hmm. and and we. I, I say to them, I don't like it being called child pornography and nor do they, they call it, um, child sex images or child yeah. abuse, or sexual abuse, mm-hmm. you know, because they don't want the lines to be crossed. However, the media aren't going to support no. the industry. It, uh, they just don't. So well, yeah. they, I
0: mean, like, I mean, look at, look at that article that, uh, Christoph did in the New York times in December.
1: Which one was that? Uh,
0: the one I've on porn, so- the, the one, the children of Pornhub. He actually did too.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, I do understand that Pornhub aren't age verification every every production. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're they're putting belief in the people that actually upload the content or studios.
2: Right.
1: So they kind of needed some kind of, you know, maybe. Mm. But but in England, it, it's been no different for the whole for the, for the whole of decade. And I'll tell you why, because in England we have the BBFC. Okay, they kind of. Mm-hmm. The ones that had to monitor everything that went out on R eighteen or eighteen, and they make the decisions. Now, if they once thought that somebody was underage, they w- were able to ask for the paperwork. They've never good. once, yeah, but they've never once done it. Good. Ever, and they and well, that means so, that
0: that means the industry self policing, which is good, which which is what it, it, which is what happens in the U.S. too.
1: Yeah, so that's exactly what's happened. And but with Pornhub, I just think that. You know, people thrive on negative news,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I asked a journalist, and I've written for several newspapers,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I and I asked a major journalist once. So I said, "So why can't you just write something good about the industry?" And they goes, "Good news doesn't sell." Yeah. If if yeah. if Joe Bloggs wakes up and reads something about their neighbor doing a good deed, yeah. they're like, "So what?" Yeah. But if you tell him that their neighbor's a murderer, they they go and talk about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Sensationalism is always sold, and that's as that's a lot older than we are. Um, absolutely. The unfortunate part of this whole Pornhub thing is it reflects on the entire industry. It makes it makes everybody say, "Well, porn is bad." You know,
1: porn's been bad in the public view for decades. Yep. for 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 centuries. Yep. You know, England has one of the strictest. Um, wars on pornography. You know, we can't do any face sitting. We can't do any fisting. We can't do this. You know, hmm. all about censorship. It, I didn't it, know that. It does much. Yeah, it drives me absolutely potty. I've that it is <laughs> over here. It's never had a positive view. It's, it's really hard because well, England.
0: It could be worse. You could be Japan.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. But, do you know what? Do you know what? I must be the only person in history that's printed Japan's red light district, and I found it rather boring.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. I think
1: it really. Yeah, find it. didn't
0: it really, do anything for me either. Actually, the Ginza. Yeah, it didn't do anything for me either.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm. I love going to Bangkok. I go to a place called Nana Plaza, and mm-hmm. I go to a bar. I go to a bar called Spanky's. Right. Oh,
2: <laughs> and been there. Been there. On, yeah.
1: Actually, I, it's one of my favorite places in the world. Yeah. And I go there. It's crazy. I can go on my own. I'll have a few drinks. I'll tip. I'll I'll pay for guys to have lap dances, and they're like, "What's going on?". It's only like £2.50 ago. A and then I get a little bit drunk, and then I'll say, Can I get on stage now? <laughs> and oh, I yeah. take my top off and get on stage. Oh, the yeah. Other, oh
2: yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I love Spankies. But anyway, going back to like, <laughs> you know, the industry and being self regulated, it is, but there's always going to be a bad apple yeah. in, in it. Sure. There's, sure. Al- there's always going to be. And that's partly why I do counseling, because, mm-hmm. you know, lots of people hide behind the industry, and yes. then the industry gets blamed.
0: Yep, indeed.
1: And S- I, I say 95% of the industry is absolutely very professional,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and people could learn from it.
2: Yeah.
0: So now, how uh, tell me the whole story. You mentioned you were known as the porn queen of the UK in the year 2000. Tell me the whole, whole story on that. Okay,
1: well, I got selected to represent England over in um, the US in the, the, you know, like the big brother adult version. But before I would got into adult, I used to work in the probation industry. So obviously Mm -hmm. I had a bit bit of a name. I got all the newspapers used to write about me. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And they found out what I was doing. And they were like, oh, my God. And then it got centralized. It's got put all over the media that I was a porn queen of England now working for Playboy over in the US. So... It was really massive, but I think what it was, I was so professional, I literally overnight became a sensation because the papers had written that I was an excavation officer and then documentaries were getting made on me. I was invited onto every chat show. And I think what it was is I handled myself exceptionally well in the media so that when I was getting interviewed or was getting questioned or I was appearing in public, I wasn't drunk. I wasn't Mm. on drugs and I was a sensible mother who'd had a previous job, which was a very strong position. So I think what happened is the media don't mind hyping somebody that's stable. Yeah. And I think I came across very stable and the media took me on as a porn queen of England.
0: I love it. I love it. Good thing they weren't at that playboy party in Vegas. Um, now, uh, (laughs) what was a video that wouldn't have gone over? Well, so what was, what exactly was sex survivor 2000 and why was that your last act in the U S
1: it was, um, the, the big brother, you know, like doing 30 scenes in a week was a little bit much and also having to deal with all the crap of somebody breaking the rules and disrespect. And then I had to go to Vegas straight after and sign my autograph. Yeah. I was just exhausted. Yeah. I was exhausted. And also, you know, something happened to me in the industry that I can't actually talk about at the moment because I'm um, it's is involved a court case. Oops. But it was, I just realized that no matter how big you get, and no matter how hard you work. There's somebody ready to take advantage of you. And I never, and I think, and I think in the industry that a lot got swept under the carpet, if I'm quite honest with you. Whereas there Mm. was something that happened to me that happened to others as well. Mm. And because this person was a big name.
0: um, Oh, that guy. Okay. I think, I I think, I I think I figured it out. He's in our news section a lot. Oh, God. Yeah. Really? Oh, my God.
1: So I'm. I'm the only European person involved, so you know I oh big
0: it is. Oh my! I was I was wondering what could be going on since since 2000, but you you told me so.
2: Anyway, go ahead.
1: Yeah, you. I mean, you're <laughs> no. I'm not allowed to openly discuss it on air, obviously, at the moment. <laughs> and and um, you know, when I went to approach somebody about all that, and people witnessed it, they're like, "Oh, that's just how he is." Yeah. And I'm like, "Hold on a second. This is just fucking happened. My mate language.
2: Yeah. This is just no, fucking okay. happened
1: to me. This is an I adult. Mean, it, this is
0: an adult show. You can say fuck.
1: Oh right, oh, that's you good.
0: can say you can say then, all you can say all the words that George Carlin said you can't say on TV here.
1: Oh fantastic.
0: Yeah. And, no, um, no, no, that's, no, that's so, no, that's fucking fantastic.
1: Yeah, fucking fantastic.
0: There
2: you go.
1: And so I think what happened is, you know, that happened to me. Nobody listened. I went to Vegas. And like I said, the work of an adult star, you know, on that level is huge. The pressure is huge. Mm-hmm. And then people starting to forget you know, they mold your whole private life into your work life. And then you just become this, this porn actress. You know, you don't, people don't respect you or understand that you're actually a mum or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And it just, I think after that happened, it's like put on a good brave face, went and done the survivor show, went down to Las Vegas and done my interview, came back absolutely just wiped out. And all I wanted was my kids and a family life. I just needed Mm. to I mean the only hug I had you know, I wasn't dating because I, I was one that didn't date when I was an adult actress because I didn't think it was morally right. <laughs> and um yeah, I needed I needed time out. I yeah. needed time out after that. And sure. plus the internet was coming in yes. and I de- and I wasn't one to um do webcamming. I believed it I had two children. I knew they were gonna come of age where the internet would be a major part in their life Mm -hmm. and I wanted to retire before they even had an inkling of that happening so that, you know, not, not so I could avoid the situation, but mainly more so that I could control the situation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. That's smart. So you got out of the industry and after you retired, um, how did you feel and what did you do?
1: Well, after I retired, I realized no, there was no female agents in the world. Mm -hmm. So, I I started um, managing British stars and sending them over to the US. Nice, and making sure that they were professionally looked after, that they had accommodation, they had drivers, and so I started representing the top English uh, female performers from the mm. year 2002 till about 2004. Wow. And then there was a, then there was an HIV outbreak in 2004 um in the American industry. Um I pulled all the models out and that's when I just said, do you know what? I'm not doing this anymore mm. and I need a different life. And yeah, yeah so I you know So you, did, you didn't you didn't want to
0: you felt like you were putting them in danger and you didn't want to do that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And if there if there is one thing that doesn't happen, um and the professionalism had started sliding because the internet was obviously was taking over so budgets were getting lower and mm. stuff like that. Yeah. And What people don't understand is there was no health and safety. And, you know, unless models get self-insured, if they have an accident on set or injured, that is their own cost. Yep. And I wasn't willing to take the risk of having on my conscience any female, even if it would have been their own fault, catching HIV. And I I just couldn't, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night.
0: Sure. Sure. Understand. Um, so when did you become a counselor for models worldwide in the adult, in the adult industry?
1: That's only fairly recently, actually. I mean, I lived in Austin, you know, what I'd done after retiring, after retiring from managing models is, um, I got trained by the family planning association, which used Mm -hmm. to be our sex education board. Hmm. And they were really happy that I'd approach them. Mm. We kind of learn from one another. And the next thing I on every channel being a sex expert on relationship shows. Mm. It's great. So I got, I got qualified in, you know, um, online infidelity, sex education, you know, for boys and girls separately, teenage pregnancies. Um, and I worked on TV for a long time. However, in the background, I was also getting qualified in fitness and managing a couple of gyms because Mm. I didn't, you know, I I want, I didn't, I want a fame hungry star. Sure. You know, I didn't mind talking my knowledge, but I didn't, I didn't need to be a major celebrity that, you know, I just, Mm. I couldn't be bothered to be quite honest with you. And then I moved to Australia in 2011 Mm. to have a break from anybody knowing me. And it was so refreshing. Sure. Because everybody had known me for for a decade, and i I didn't even kind of know my own identity for a while because mm. you're you're this person that everybody has a, an opinion on yeah. and a view and a yeah. judgment. So I went to Australia, where nobody had that on me, and for eight years, I stayed in Australia, managed companies, mm. and when I was there, i you know the radio stations started realizing my past, and I went on a few shows, and mm. I said that what. Well, you know, I'm qualifying to be a counsellor. And it, my, the seed got planted there. So I started studying. And then I moved back to the UK. And, um, yeah, I got asked if I would cancel the industry. So yeah. that was in England, first of all. And then I found like there were the fake HIV certificate being allowed to float around in the UK industry.
2: jeez.
1: Oh, and I'm not going to allow that,
2: yeah. as you can imagine. Sure.
1: So I teamed up with a PAC union in the U S with Alana Evans mm. and I've been a counselor for them, um, ever since. So for nice. like four years. Um, so I actually, I'm going to be part of the union on the American board as well. So, mm. you know, I look after, yeah. So looking after the American and the English industry, you can imagine, you know, it, it's hard, but if I'm the only person who is qualified and has the experience of entering being in the industry and and in, and um, transitioning out, that's what models need. They don't need being cancelled by somebody who still works the porn industry. It, sure. it defeats the object.
2: Absolutely. Um,
1: and with the English industry, they actually blocked me and my fellow counsellor co-worker, who's also a former actress. Um, she retired, you know, about 15 years ago, mm-hmm. Kelly Stafford. And um, she got qualified as a counsellor as well. But because we caught, we caught them out, that there were the fake HIV certificate going around, and that a girl had been attacked in a hotel room, mm. and nothing, nothing was done about it. And I just said, that's not good enough. And so I was getting really frustrated in the UK that they were blocking, um, just because they had an issue with me and this other um, counsellor, mm-hmm. they blocked our services from the industry and said, we'll look after our own models. Now, to me, that's not good enough. Yeah. So I had actually approached the Met Police Sexual Violence Unit. Mm-hmm. And I explained the situation. I said, look, I'm concerned that they don't have an, an avenue to report any incidents. The industry is very close, and they try to keep it in-house when there is stuff going on. Yeah. I-, I need to s- open a pathway and be an outreacher so that they can speak. To- if they don't want to go, I mean, let's be honest with you, I'd experienced 20 years ago that I couldn't go to a cop shop after I was attacked. So it's no different in the U.K. now, you know, if girls are abused right. or taken advantage of on set, yeah.
2: they,
1: they they don't want to walk into a police station and say, hey, I'm a porn star and I was just on set right. and they've done something I never gave them permission to. Sure. The, front desk, the front desk are going to look at them and go, uh, don't really know what that goes under.
2: Mm-hmm. So what
1: i done is I, I um, teamed up as an outreacher for the Metropolitan Police in mm-hmm. the U.K., And now if there's any instances within the adult industry, they can come to me in ILAAs and we meet um, out of uniform
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: I, and I get them to chat to the the head of the sexual violence unit.
0: That's awesome.
2: And it's taken.
1: Thank you. And it's taken real seriously. Um, And I work with a lot of other charities like open doors Mm -hmm. and they look after street sex workers, Mm
2: -hmm. Good.
1: which has risen dramatically during COVID because obviously people People can't have people in their visitors in their house, so they've gone to street prostitution.
2: Mm.
1: So I work with outreachers, you know, just you know, help them with advice and stuff.
2: Sure. And
1: then and then there's other projects like um Survivors UK is about male sexual abuse.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I I kind of work with whichever charities can gain from my knowledge, and performers can get access to help helpful facilities.
2: Mm,
0: that's wonderful.
2: Yeah.
0: so how, i like yeah i bet you do i, I like what you're doing so you. so how did you manage to skip over uh from porn to the mainstream media
1: i think my way was was owning my past not letting anybody dictate to me about what i should and should not done i made it perfectly clear unless they were paying my rent they should keep their mouth shut mm-hmm you know, they haven't walked a mile in my shoes, let alone an inch, actually. And mm. But I owned it. And I laughed at myself. And I said, do you know what? Yeah, some people must have thought I was the right slag or a slut. Mm. Or, yes, there was things I would do differently. But I've always maintained I have absolutely no regrets about my past.
2: Mm.
1: You know, now I've got more wisdom. I probably would have done a few things a little bit differently. <laughs> but I owned it. Sure, Never deny it. Yes. I mean, once you're on mainstream television,
2: mm-hmm.
1: even being on one show, the media know your past. Yep. And what you've got to learn is that any publicity is publicity. Yep. You've got to take away the negative. You've got to stop worrying about what other people and online trolls say about you because they don't contribute anything to my life. Right. So if they're doing a negative comment, comment, then they're investing in my life. Hmm. So it kind of says a lot about them, not me.
0: Yes, absolutely. You know, at,
1: at least the stuff that i done, I own, and I take responsibility. And even if the press say former porn queen of England, which they still do 20 years later, hmm. um, I just – I laugh, and I actually ring them up going, really? Still got to write that one? They're like, well, it sells. And I'm like, Okay. So I've got this really, really friendly um kind of rapport with the newspapers and journalists because really? I owe my pass and I have a laugh. Um and they've got nothing on Even me.
0: Even the tabloids?
1: Absolutely, all the tabloids. <laughs> yeah, they've got nothing on me. I sit down with like major. In fact, my public my um my uh, my publicist, yeah, he actually worked at the Sun as a major uh, journalist for 20 odd years. My nice. other friend used to run the Sun for 25 years. Oh jeez. Um, I'm really good friends with the media. And yeah. the simple fact is it's important. Is because I laugh at myself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I already know that one day's newspaper is tomorrow's day chip paper. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's about not holding on to it. But yep. I I'm able to laugh at myself. And when I'm on TV, people realize that I'm really educated. Yep. And I think it shocks them. I think what it is, people have this impression of an adult star. So when they've got an adult star in their show, they are looking in, in the, inside themselves, in their mind, in their programmed, censored mind, that I'm going to turn up with big fake tits, long blonde <laughs> hair extensions and and stripper shoes, when in fact I'm five foot three. used to be four, I'm about three, I must be getting old. and I normally wear tiny hairs, and I've got shoulder-length dark hair, and I wear minimum makeup. So I'm the complete opposite to what they imagine. Sure. And I think that is what interests people, and they're like, oh, my God, you proved proved to us that actually our image of an adult star is completely not right. Exactly, exactly. And I think, yeah, I mean, you know, the thing is as well, is like I retired from porn 20 years ago. And so they can't they just most media will like to chat to adult stars that are still in the industry
2: mm-hmm.
1: to but with me, I'm like, yeah, you can grab one of my old pictures if you want, as long as <laughs> I know which one it is. I don't mind. Yeah. You know, and when I say, you know, 90% of my mainstream career has been absolutely wonderful. I had to sue a newspaper. Mm. Some years ago, because they actually got a picture of me and put it against a fake story saying that I had an ASBO.
0: You had, the you, had, you had a what?
1: Antisocial behavior order oh, against oh. me. It's Jeez. called an ASBO. Oh. And they said that I'd been caught having loud sex and I oh. had a criminal conviction. However, what made me so annoyed, I mean, I wouldn't give a shit about them lying, to be honest with you, or tabloids, you know, defer the truth. However, I was... Under contract to, an, to a TV channel, ITV, which mm. is one of our major channels. Yep. And they were about to drop me from two shows. Mm. And I had to say to them, no, look, it, it's crap.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: i very fortunate, my life's been very fortunate, was actually kind of having a relationship with um, somebody that owned most of the local regional papers. And he took me to the Queen's Lawyer. Oh, so i to the Queen's Hello. Lawyer. Hello, I know, right? I've had a very interesting life. So I went mm. to the Queen's Lawyers and I said it's, um, it's defamation and slander. It's not true. Mm. And they haven't even used my correct name. Mm. And uh, they said, okay, well, you need to, we're probably the wrong lawyers, but we're going to put you in touch with a top entertainment lawyer who will do it on, um, I think it's like, I think it's called. um
0: Contingency. Oh, pro,
1: pro bono, yeah. yeah Contingency. Yeah. So they put me in touch with the main lawyer that looks after all the mainstream performers, um, mm-hmm. actresses and stuff like that. And he just basically rang out the newspaper and said, right, I'm on 800 pounds an hour. Um, <laughs> it's your Jeez. cost, not her. This is defamation.
2: Oh,
1: OK. The paper, yeah. And the paper tried to <laughs> say that I had a bad reputation because I'd done porn anyway. And I said, I don't give a shit what reputation I got. You lied. Yep. And you'd put my picture out that speaks more volume than words, yeah, because image imagery does. Yes, and um, and they tried to get out of it, but it was eight hundred pounds an hour, True. right? So we arranged a high court date in the High Court of London, mm-hmm. and I was willing to take it all the way. I don't mind, you know. Sure, I, I I'm not in, I'm not at fault. And being an exhibition officer, you can only imagine the willpower you <laughs> mm-hmm. have. Sure. So they settled an hour um, from the hearing in the High Court of London. Settled out of court. Nice. And I have no regrets about it. And you know, I, everybody said, if you sue a newspaper, or oh, you know, come back to haunt you. No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? All it does is let you know never to be made a fool of.
0: Exactly. And you and won't. No what, you won't. You won't yep. hear. From, and you won't hear from them again. So there you never go. Never
1: again. And the best thing is, it's like. You know, just because you're a porn act actress or actor or any kind of sex worker,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it should not take away the fact that what somebody does to you is legal. You are still yes. under the same law. We are still under the same protection act
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, as anybody that may be a police officer exactly. or work in a bank. So exactly your career should definitely not have any
0: influence on how you are treated exactly just just like that guy's name we can't talk about in the states
1: yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so I'll give you another interview. I'll give you another interview when all that's healed up so then I can yeah oh interview.
0: definitely I want to hear that for sure I want the exclusive on that so uh, <laughs> so what advice would you give to others in the industry
1: okay well I kind of got different advice from people going in in it mm-hmm. and wanting to get out If you're going to go in the industry, just be prepared that once you have worked the sex industry, it never goes away. Now, I don't mean that by saying that people won't forget you done porn. You yourself won't forget you've been a sex worker. Yeah. And once you're able to turn your emotions on and off, which every sex worker has to do, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it's very hard to undo that skill. Yeah. And it can affect every ongoing relationship, even if it's with your parents, your children, a partner, mm. because you're you're able to put your emotions aside. So you do have to be aware that when mm-hmm. you go into the industry,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, you're going to learn a new set of skills yeah. and and, you, you know, they may not all be positive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: For people in the industry, what you have to remember is, you know, you know, you've either got a short shelf life or you or you do it for good. This is a career because it mm-hmm. is a career.
2: Right.
1: Or it can be. However, learn about marketing because you're up against mm-hmm. millions of other people. Yep. And if you don't have a business sense, you can't run a business. And if you're an adult star, you're an enterprise. You're a business. Yes. So it's about be, building yourself as a business. Right. And you can't run a company if you cut corners. You can't cut a company if you're going to act illegal. You can't run a company if you don't have duty of care, health and safety, insurance, and stuff like that.
2: Mm.
1: So my advice is don't, cons- don't even worry about what career you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, but You know, to you, you are self-employed. Yes. And yeah. therefore, you should get yourself covered for every instance. Yes. And if you're in the industry and you're looking to get out, you have to understand there's a transition period. You can't just hop from one um, industry that is very emotionally challenging and then mm-hmm. go back into society because it can destroy you. Mm. There's a lot of trollers online yeah. that will come for you and attack you. Now, just like at school, is a young age, I think emotions should be educated to youngsters that we have different emotions and we have different reactions and that we're responsible for our actions and reactions Absolutely. and not that. others. And I think within the industry it, that should be them re-educated. And if they haven't learned it already, I think ex- ex- what we do with APAC union is we have different se- seminars online
2: mm-hmm. and we
1: kind of make sure that they know business skills, marketing, understand not everybody is going to like you, and that's absolutely fine because it would be boring if everybody did like
0: you. <laughs> True.
1: And, and I, you have to understand and imagine they are behind a keyboard. You're not responsible for their actions, no matter what your actions yourself has been. They're, all they're doing is reacting to your action, but their action is putting you down, if that makes sense. Yep. They're just behind the keyboard with shit all else to do. So, what they do is decide that their life isn't that worthy and they want to invest their time in someone else's. Sure. It's like having free rent in somebody else's mind.
2: Yeah.
1: Don't take it seriously because what somebody writes or what somebody speaks is how that person is inside. And if they're not a nice person, they're not a nice person. What we have to do is have like a barrier up around, not a barrier, that's probably a wrong word, have a mirror. Pretend you've got a mirror in front of you and bounce that reflection back onto them. And then you'll know what type of person they are. Mm -hmm. And you've got to learn not, don't take things personally. Yeah,
2: yeah, And don't
1: overwork. Do Mm -hmm. not overwork. Because people seem to think, you know, when you're in the industry, yeah, you just want more work, more work, more work. I want to do this, I want to do that. While you're in a position of turning your emotions on and off, you kind of put your mental health to the background. Sure. However, our own bodies do suffer some form of post-trauma uh, later,
2: yes.
1: and that that doesn't mean that's from the industry and the job you've done. That could be reflected on you being able to turn your emotions on and off, yeah, and that can come back as a trauma later in life. And if they are looking to get out the industry, chat to somebody who has successfully moved on from the industry Mm -hmm. and will know how you're feeling.
2: Yeah.
0: That's a good idea. That's a real good idea. So I hear you're writing a book as you certainly should. Um, (laughs) when is it coming out?
1: I, Oh my God, lockdowns. I've got a little bit lazy. The first one that will be coming out is an advice book. So, you know, there isn't much I haven't covered from sugar daddies to porn sets to being single mother Mm -hmm. to having disastrous dates. So, my first book actually is um, going to be an advice book. And um, I share a bit of my life story and never not much. But my autobiography will be coming out later because it'll probably coincide with the court case over in the US.
0: Yeah, you got to wait for that to resolve first.
1: I've got to wait for that to resolve first and, um,
0: Guaranteed, and
1: guaranteed bestseller, guaranteed bestseller. I know. Right. It's like, so I'm actually kind of quite enjoying a little bit of a quieter life, get a decorate and done and, um, <laughs> uh, doing kind of little mundane things at the moment, but I've got my own TV show starting, um, in April,
2: Good. um, sex and
1: relationship show. Nice. Um, so I'm really happy with that. And then my advice book, I want to get written. Well, do you know what? It was meant to get written by March the 30th. However, mm-hmm. being the work in the industry I do, I'm very well connected. And mm-hmm. as you know, I normally cover AVN and XBiz and a awards. Mm-hmm. And um I also interview at pleasure product um events. Okay. You know, and then Massive, you know, it's one of the biggest industries in the world. Yes. Well, I'm I'm one of the fortunate ones in the world, especially from England, who's um, traveling to Mexico in a week's time. Oh, jeez. Nice. So, I actually, you know, so I'm going there for one day through it, but extending it for 10 days. Hmm. Um, I need some sunshine. I've been in <laughs> England in winter, and I'm cold, and I need a holiday.
2: Yes. And
1: uh, so this March for 30th probably isn't going to happen when I finish my advice. <laughs> but the new tax year starts in April, right? So, yes. So... Yeah, my book will get done uh, by the end of April. On okay. my advice book,
2: we're
0: gonna and, ho- we're gonna hold you to that.
1: Yeah, and then we can have a little chat about that because there's like twenty different chapters of all different scenarios. Oh, I tell got, you, absolutely. I, I've got I re- I reveal only slight bits about myself in the book, but it would also bring across my personality. But it does give the good and bad of different sex and relationship situations.
2: Nice, because like
1: you know. Not everything can be good. Not everything can be bad. You need to have that balance.
0: Absolutely. Balance. Balance is always number one. Well, uh, Leanne, I'd like to thank you for being our guest today on Adult Side Broker Talk. And I hope we'll get a chance to do this uh, when the book comes out.
1: Absolutely. I'd love to. It's been fantastic.
0: Thank you. My broker tip today is part three of what to do to make your site more valuable for when you decide to sell it later. Find new ways to monetize your website, such as sell advertising. If you've got a free site like a tube, that's the best way to monetize your site. If you have a tube, another way to make more money is to sell premium memberships. Offer free users one level of content, and for premium users, you can do things like give them higher quality or longer videos or both. You can also make the site ad-free for premium members. Start an affiliate program. If you have a pay site, especially, this is a great way to increase your quality traffic and get more joins. With all sites, you can figure out other upgrades and products you can sell to your users. Pay sites can also sell pay-per-view, where people have the option of paying by the scene for content they can't get on the site. This is also another way to charge users as opposed to a monthly fee. Sell them other products like toys and novelties. Market your business. Do things to improve your search engine results like SEO. There are some great SEO consultants out there who can help you get higher search rankings in Google. If you want some recommendations, contact us on our website. List all of the benefits of your site and your marketing and how they affect the user. And of course, hire a great marketing consulting firm such as, oh, I don't know, maybe Adult B2B Marketing, which we also happen to own. Eliminate unneeded expenses. Constantly make sure you're not spending money you don't need to. Make sure there isn't duplication in your staffing. From time to time, check services you pay for like hosting and see if there are better and less expensive options. Take it from me. I've done this and saved a bunch, plus got higher quality hosting in the process. Again, ask us for recommendations. Always look for ways to do things more cost-effectively. Along with this, make your profit and loss statement show more profit. That's kind of a duh, I guess, but increasing sales and reducing expenses obviously does that. But make sure your P&L statement accurately reflects your company's actual costs. Not a bunch of personal expenses you put in. This will cost you money when you sell. It may help you with the tax man to put that stuff on your tax return, but it hurts you if you show that stuff on your profit and loss statement. Remember, every dollar in profit increases the value of your website as much as three or four times. This is why you need a good, experienced broker to help lead you through the process. We've gotten people thousands of dollars more on their sale just by adjusting the PL statement to more accurately reflect actual business expenses as opposed to a bunch of BS. We'll talk about the subject more next week. And next week we'll be talking to adult industry writer Ralph Greco. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Leanne Young. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.